whatever were gains to me, I now considered loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. I want to invite the brothers and sisters forward for the morning tithes and offerings as I introduce this particular sermon. I I have to say, as a preacher uh, who's done this for a long time, I really do like New Year's sermons for a number of reasons, but it's fun to begin to think about the new year. And I don't know if you are a person who likes to really think forward for the new year. Maybe some of us in the room are really glad that... December 31st has come and gone because it's been a rough year. But I do think the first Sunday in 219 really allows us the opportunity to think about what's going to unfold in this next year. Think about what it would be like to live an an intentional life. And I think this passage really lends itself to that as the phrase, press on, may resonate with you if you're familiar with it. Paul says to Press on. But there's something really key to see here. There are two elements to this passage. And the first is the call to experience an intimacy with the living God. And if you're not familiar with how to have a relationship with God, we are going to make that really clear this morning. The beauty of the Christian gospel, you guys, is that the creator God can actually, you can actually know him and be in relationship with him as your father the most intimate of relationships. The Creator can be your Father. And through an intimate relationship with the living God, you actually can be filled with the Spirit of God. And then Paul goes on to say, once you experience that intimacy, it's, that's the basis of pressing on to take hold of that which God has taken hold of you for. And so that's the way this passage unfolds. So if you'll jump in with me first with intimate relationship, look at verses 7 and 8. Paul does something really interesting here. He makes a comparative valuation when he says, worldly gain becomes loss compared to knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, all he's simply saying is that he believes that experiencing Christ as the most precious relationship that you can have will really ultimately give you proper perspective on everything else. He's not saying that there's nothing else of value except Christ. What he's saying is, in light of Christ, 
everything else actually takes on its proper value. Now, here's what's key. Think about this. Let me illustrate it. 219, when you think about it, and perhaps you've set some goals, and I want to encourage you to set, uh, uh, as Jim Collins says, big, hairy, audacious goals. Set large goals. But so many people don't think in terms of, of large things because of something that I struggle with, and that's fear of failure. Now, if you struggle with fear of failure and you know that it holds you back, let me tell you what Paul says here. He says, in light of knowing the surpassing worth of Jesus, we don't have to fear failure because we're not going to be defined by it. We don't have to be defined by failure. So whether, for example, Alabama loses or wins tomorrow night, who cares? I mean, I do, but not that much. <laughs> I care with a little C, not a capital C. And I got to tell you, when I was in eighth grade and they lost, I cried. I'm not crying. I am not going to cry. It's not worth it. It's not. To bank your whole life on 19-year-old boys, oh my gosh, that's insane. <laughs> do you see what he's saying? He's saying the preciousness of the Lord Jesus can frame the way you see everything else. And everything else will take its proper perspective in light of Christ. Now he goes on, the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And what he's saying here is, we can actually have knowing Christ, we can actually have an intimacy with the Lord Jesus that is based on unconditional love. We can have an intimacy in a relationship that's based on unconditional love. And why can we have that intimacy? Because men and women, the best relationships you will ever have are not contingent relationships or transactional relationships, which, by the way, are neither relationships. The best relationships that we will ever have are those that are based on an unconditional love shared between each other. And that kind of relationship is a relationship where the partners are committed to loving each other, whether they be friends or lovers. They're committed to loving each other at their worst. That's the beauty of this. And what Paul says here is we can have an, un, a, a, an intimacy with Christ because he's committing to love us at our worst. Listen to this from the book and the movie. Tell me if you know this quote. One of the characters said this. I'm nothing special of this, I'm sure. Okay? I'm a common man with common thoughts, and I've led a common life. There are no monuments dedicated to me, and my name will soon be forgotten. Man, one of the greatest chick flicks. Come on. But I've loved another with all my heart and soul, and to me, this has always been enough. Say again? No, but good guess. How about the notebook, Nicholas Sparks? Now, men, did you hear the women gasp? Did you hear it? Why? Do you know why? Listen to me. Because he's expressing unconditional love. And every heart in him that's beating now desires that. And Paul is saying to know Christ is to experience an intimacy because it's founded 
on his unconditional love. Look at verse 9. This intimacy is based strictly on faith in Christ and what he's done. Because when Paul talks about faith in Christ, he's talking about trusting in who Christ is, what Christ has done, and why he's done it. So who is he? He's the Son of God who's taken on flesh. What has he done? He's actually sacrificially loved us and gone to the cross in the greatest act of sacrificial love ever expressed on behalf of humanity to reconcile people to the living God. He went to the cross because of love. He loved, and that's what sent him to the cross. Paul puts it like this in another place. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and because he loved me, he gave himself for me. And that's why he wants to know Christ, because he knows Christ loves him and actually acted on that love in the expression of sacrificial love going to the cross. That's why Paul is so radically transformed. The most intimate relationship we can ever have are those where we are truly known and yet deeply loved. And we call those relationships safe because they've, uh, we call them safe because they've chosen, uh, the, the other person has chosen to love us at our worst. And so everything else is thrown in. And that's what Paul is saying when he says, I want to know Christ. Look at verse 9 and go on. Once we have faith in Christ, here's what's happened. Through faith in Christ, we're actually declared righteous in God's sight. Now, here's the miracle of the gospel. And if you're not a Christian, hear me describe for you one of the beauties of this diamond called the gospel. It's one of the many cuts in the diamond. This declared righteousness. When you place your faith in Christ, his perfect righteousness actually is credited to you. And consequently, your relationship with him is not based on your actions or something that you earn. It's based on his action towards you. In other words, he wanted you and he wanted you at your worst. And so he did what you cannot do. He laid down his life for you at your worst and then declared you righteous in his sight as the basis of your relationship with him. It's not something you earn. He's not going to divorce you. He's not going to walk out on you. He's not going to reject you. If you've ever walked through something like that, you know exactly what I'm saying. Now that we're in union with Christ, we're actually adopted. His father becomes our father. He becomes our older brother. And this is the intimacy that Paul wants to know. Look at verse 10 real quick. He practically shouts, I want to know Christ. And it is, as one author put it, to enter into the deepest personal intimacy and union. That's what he means when he says, I want to know Christ, you guys. Probably six or eight years ago, a friend, I was at lunch with him, and he pulled out his phone, and he started swiping right. Well, I had no clue what that was until he told me, Bumble. Well, it's a dating app. And I, 
it was unbelievable. We never had anything like that in Huntsville High School when I grew up, you know? Now, I've got to tell you something. I've always, as I've done, as I've had more experience with that kind of thing, I mean, from other people. Um, <laughs> okay. Anyway, I've always been impressed with uh, eHarmony because it's, it's, it's like you've got to enter in a lot of information. And if you enter in a lot of information and perspective matches enter in information, maybe you've been on eHarmony, so you know exactly what I'm saying. It costs money, et cetera, et cetera. And so, but here's the deal. The idea is they want you to know a lot about each other to see if there's a compatibility. But at some point, guess what? You got to make the call. You know why? To know somebody is not just to know about them. Paul says it's a, it's a, it's a deep personal intimacy that you need. That's what he wants. Now, it does involve knowledge. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't stop. He goes on to unpack knowing Christ when he says to know the power of Christ's resurrection. What is he talking about there? Now, here's a secret of the Christian life. Again, if you're not a Christian, you need to know this about the Christian life. That when Jesus died on the cross, he was raised again from the dead. And ultimately, he ascended to be back home with his Father, God. He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from which he will come to judge the quick and the dead. Now, when he ascended to the Father, days later, weeks later, really, he poured out his spirit. Why? Why did he pour out his spirit? Because he was no longer with us. But in pouring out his spirit, he can now be in us. In other words, we are the temple where the spirit of the living Lord Jesus dwells in us. The spirit of the living God, the power of his resurrection, is the fact that he's poured out his spirit. And he dwells in us. And what does that mean? It means it, it's an explosive power that leads to personal holiness and dynamic witness. You guys, Friday night, we were headed over to some friends who had invited us over to eat. And we were late. And I hate to be late. And it was on me. It was on me. Not really, but it was. Um, anyway, so we stopped at the Walgreens. And I... I'm about to go into the Walgreens, and somebody said, Pastor Carter. And I looked over, and there was a fellow there who, who had, had, had struggled in life, but he'd come to West End uh, at one point, and he needed help. Well, I cared more about what our dinner hosts and hostess would think about me being late than the fact that he needed help. God for the Spirit of Jesus who overruled my flesh and it really worked out great. We got him a lift, got him something to eat, invited him to church. I'm hoping he's here in this congregation now. I don't see you, but you are loved. You are loved because of the Spirit. the way the Lord wants us to live and that's why he sees to it that we have the power to do that. He goes on to say in verse 10, participating in Christ's suffering becoming like him in his death what does that mean? Well to become like Christ in his death is simply this ultimately to embrace as the mother loathed sacrificial love because Jesus when he goes to the cross 
is expressing what we all need, and that's an unconditional, sacrificial love. If it's true love, it will always sacrifice as a result. It will always sacrifice as a result if it's true love. And that's why Christ sacrificed, because he loved. And so when we become like him, we become like him by the power of his indwelling spirit. He actually empowers us to love the way he loved us. Y'all, um, one of our goals for, let me ask you this. I, now, I'm going to say this, and you see if you can read what I'm saying. I like the idea of owning a telescope. Okay, let me say it again. I like the idea of owning a telescope. Telescopes are a hassle. They're hard to run. You can't sight them, and it's always cold outside if you want to see something. Okay? One of our goals for 219 is once a month, we're going to look at a telescope. We're going to look through my telescope. I bought a telescope. It cost over $1,000, and I've just watched it there. I've watched my $1,000 make absolutely no interest. It's driven me crazy. We finally dragged it out last night. Okay? By a miracle, I found the Andromeda Galaxy. By a miracle, I asked Jesus to help me find it. I did. I really did. I don't know how y'all work your prayer life. That's just the way I worked mine. It, you know, I do pray for parking spaces, stuff like that, you know. I know, it's crazy, and, uh, but that's not all I pray about. But anyway, so we found the thing. Now, you got to understand, it looked like you couldn't see it. It was so anticlimactic, I could step right inside, look at my astronomy magazine, and look at the latest Hubble telescope picture of the Andromeda Galaxy. You know what was the most fun about it? Debbie was right there, sacrificially loving me, because she didn't want to be there either. <laughs> Jesus will propel you to do that. He will propel you to do that. You know why? That's who he is. And he's committed to making you like him. That's the power of his resurrection. That's what Paul wants to know, participating in his suffering. Listen to this from the Washington Post. The relatives of people slain inside the historic African-American church in Charleston, South Carolina, earlier this week, were able to speak directly to the accused gunman, Dylan Roof. Friday, at his first course appearance, one by one, those who chose to speak at a bond hearing did not turn to anger. Instead, while he remained impassive, and I saw the video, he was completely They offered him forgiveness and said they were praying for his soul, even as they described the pain of their losses. I forgive you, Nadine Collier, the daughter of 70-year-old Ethel Lance, said at the hearing, her voice breaking. You took something very precious to me, but I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. That's participating in the sufferings of Christ by the Now, look at verse 11. Notice what Paul says. And so somehow, to, so somehow, to attain to the resurrection from the dead. What's he saying there? That word somehow is best described in a phrase. And so, no matter how my life unfolds, attain to the resurrection of life. And the resurrection of life is life forever. It's eternal life. That through faith in Christ, you will live forever with 
And so Paul's goal is eternal intimacy with Christ and those who also know Christ. That's his goal, ultimately, is loving, incredible relationship. But what he says, somehow, in the meantime, no matter how my life unfolds, you guys, in a few minutes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest we are very intentional with our lives because Paul says press on. But I can tell you something. Plan as you might. Goals that you set. None of us know how 219 is going to turn out. You guys, I've read something interesting. I was reading about this, uh, this stock picker who nailed the 2,000 point drop in the Dow the last few weeks. He just nailed it. And of course, his price for his wisdom in 219 went out the roof. He has no clue. No clue. He just got lucky here. You know, only God knows how your life is going to unfold. And that's why Paul says somehow, no matter what happens, I'm reaching for that goal. Now, you're going to see something really, really incredible here. You'll see this. How do we pursue intimacy? How do we pursue godliness? Paul says, an intentional life. Look at verses 12 through 14. Now, notice what he says in verse 12. He says, first, I haven't attained what I'm really reaching for. I haven't attained it. It's gold. But I don't have perfect intimacy with Christ. I don't have perfect godliness. It's his goal. He just hadn't arrived there yet. But you've got to know, really, the gold nugget, in my opinion, at least one of the gold nuggets in this whole passage, look at verse 12. He says this. He says, I press on to take hold of something Jesus has already taken hold of me for. In other words, he's pressing on to lay hold of something which we'll talk about in a moment, that Jesus has actually already taken hold of him for. Here's the beauty of the gospel. Do you want to know the beauty of the gospel? Three words. You ready? Here's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus goes first. Do you know why he can say, take up your cross and follow me? Because he took up his cross for you first. went to the cross while we were yet sinners. He was raised again from the dead while we were dead in our transgressions and sins. And so he lays hold of us and begins to work in us. We're masterpieces of his grace and mercy. Let's stop just a minute. Perhaps some of you are resonating with what's said. Let me tell you what that means. That means God's at work in you. If you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and this is resonating with you, He's drawing you. What's the response? To simply open myself. There's nothing you can do. You know, look at these tables of grace and mercy. Y'all, when you think about being invited over, let's say I invited over to you over to my house for supper Friday night, what's the first thing you're going to first response going to be? What can I bring? Guess what? There's nothing to bring. He set the table. The meal is complete. All you bring is your need. Are you hungry? 
who's hungry and thirsty, come. I want to get you more stuff. You have no money? Come. You're feeling ashamed, broken. You're feeling unworthy. Oh, gosh. You're feeling unworthy. There's a place for you. Jesus loves the unworthy. That's why he died on the cross. If we were worthy, there wouldn't be a cross. Paul sees that. He knows that Jesus took hold of him on a road called Damascus. And now, because he knows Jesus has hold of him, he presses on. He doesn't press on As an example, because of the example, he presses on because of the power, the spirit of Jesus in him continues to hold him and transforms him. It's beautiful, beautiful. And Paul said in another place, Jesus, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion. He'll finish this masterpiece of perfection. Absolutely. He goes on, look at verse 13. He goes on to say, forgetting what lies behind. Now, what is he saying there? You guys, he's saying he's not going to let the past define him. My family has a precious uh, friend um, who went through a very difficult event in her life in 2018. And we were with her over the holidays. And she said, I am not going to let this define me. And she was so right. Your circumstances don't have to define you. Things that happened in 2.18 do not have to define you. As it's been written, your past does not define you. It prepares you. One of the most haunting songs, in my estimation, in American theater goes like this. Listen to this. He slept a summer by my side. He filled my days with endless wonder. He took my childhood in his stride. But he was gone when autumn. And still I dream he'll come to me that we will live the years together. But there are dreams that cannot be and there are storms we cannot weather. And I would add one word. Alone. When you rest in Christ, you will never be alone. He will see you. That's his promise. That's his promise. And that's why in verse 14, look at it. I press on. Now the word press on there, you guys, has this idea of being hunted. He's, he's going after something to really lay hold of it. And what's so ironic is it's already laid hold of him. He's going after Jesus, and Jesus, meanwhile, has already got him. That's the beauty of this. As he seeks to lay hold of Jesus, Jesus is pulling him. Paul, towards himself. That's the beauty of the gospel. And so Paul is saying, I want a deeper intimacy with Christ. And what he does know is it's something that we can cultivate. A friend who was in the first service has written a great book called Heroic. Bill Devo, if y'all know Bill, he's written this great book, Heroic. And it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a book for men. And he, he talks about three things as he 
really, it really challenges men to walk intimately with Christ. A sidebar, men, the greatest blessing that you can give your family, your wife and your children, is to love Jesus more than you love him. And the way that can be the surpassing, knowing the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord is to know that he loved you first. Men, think about that. We could change the world in that way. Bill writes, find your guide, in other words, intimacy with Christ. Own your identity. Know that by faith in Christ, you are a son or a daughter of the living God. And then, finally, discover your quest. See, Paul does not press on until he rests in Christ. He does not press on. If you try to press on before you rest in Christ, let me just tell you, if you're pretty good at it, you're going to be obnoxiously self-righteous. And if you're bad at it, you know, if you press on as a result of resting in Jesus, oh my goodness, you know what? When you fail, you will not be a failure. You will be a beloved son and daughter of the living God. You will be right there. And so, Paul in saying, press on, offers us a definition of success. You know, I used to be an old salesman, and the definition of success was to hit your sales goals. You know, Well, that's success for your company or your boss. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But I want to offer you what I think is a biblical definition of success. It's an intentional approach to life, leveraging all your gifts, talents, and resources to elevate other people. To humble yourself. To descend into greatness. That's what it is. And so Paul presses on to take a hold of that. And so, let me close with this. Wonderful story of Eric Little. He was a Scotsman, known as the Flying Scotsman, and he ran in the 1924 Olympics. Because of his religious conviction not to run on Sunday, he was not able to run the 100 he could, however, run the 400 meter. But this is a little known fact. I was not aware of this. He chose to do something in the 400 meter that had never been done before. Instead of starting out slow and then sprinting at the end, he blew out of the starting gate, you guys. And by halfway through, he was just sprinting. And he ultimately won. He won the race. And it forever changed the way people run the 400 meter. They blow out as fast as they can. And so he did that. But here's more. A year later, 1925, he went to China as a missionary. And by the way, the Chinese church in these days is just rocking by the power of the Holy Spirit. He went to China in 1925 and began to minister. The Japanese took over the uh, uh, occupied much of China as World War II approached. And he was put in a POW camp. And then that camp, lose the spirit of the Lord Jesus. He was such an encouragement. He started a school for children. He was such an encouragement to people all around him. Well, before the Allies could could um, uh, liberate him and the people from that camp, he actually died of a brain tumor. Here where his last words. Dying in a P.I. 
it's complete 